0: Hi, everybody. This is Jimmy DeYoung. You're so kind to join us as we take a look at the book. It is always my pleasure to open God's Word with anyone who will take a moment to listen and study together with them about what God is doing. I have in my hand the album for a five-hour audio series on CD entitled The Feast of God. This is an exciting series where I explore the Jewish feast and explain how they relate to the end times. Jesus Christ, in the proper day sequence, will fulfill every one of the seven Jewish feasts. We need to understand what God is doing and how indeed those three remaining feasts that need to be fulfilled by the person of Jesus Christ will be fulfilled. For example, the next feast that Jesus Christ will be fulfilling is Rosh Hashanah, or the Feast of Trumpets. We're going to deal with that particular feast in just a moment. Let me tell you that you can get your copy of this audio series, and we'll give you the numbers or the location at the website where you can make your order. But first, let's listen to our study, Sound the Trumpets.
1: And indeed, as we have spent our time together looking through the Word of God... We see more evidence every moment and every session of God's indelible signature on his word. If indeed it's his word, if indeed we're going to trust our life's existence, our eternal abode and everything else as it relates to life and eternity, on God's word, it is a, it's a joy to be able to see definitely the signature of God on his word. He wrote it. Why would he not then sign it? And indeed, that is a thrilling thing to my heart, and I I pray it's going to be or has been uh, a thrilling thing to your heart. It's so evident. Historically, we can see that the Bible is correct. Some uh, 40 men over 1,500 years wrote 66 books without a contradiction, 1,188 chapters dealing with just basically one theme, the redemptive story of Jesus Christ for mankind. And indeed, we that are in need of that type of a redemption, it's laid out there for us. In particular, though, as he has divided mankind into basically two parts, Gentiles and Jews, he lays out a redemptive story for the Jewish people as well. Now, in looking at that redemptive story we're able to see, again, the signature of God. In the 23rd chapter of the book of Leviticus, we are coming to a point where Moses has been at Mount Sinai. He's been given the Ten Commandments. He is then given the next 603 commandments, are mitzvahs, are laws that the Jewish people must abide in. And within the context of all of those laws, are mitzvahs that God gives to the Jewish people, He lays out some appointed times for the Jewish people. And the book of Leviticus, chapter 23, along with Numbers 28 and 29, Deuteronomy chapter 16, he gives us the feast of the Lord, the feast of Jehovah. And he is going to give us then those feasts to the Jewish people to give them the narrative as they would look at it, from four different perspectives as they would look at these feasts and ultimately they would be able to grasp that this was God's redemptive plan for them now how do I know that because I read in Acts chapter 6 verse 7 that after the death, burial, resurrection and ascension into the heavenlies of Jesus Christ a multitude of the priests you need 28,000 priests in the temple to operate it when it's standing in the city of Jerusalem So a multitude of those priests turned to Jesus Christ. I'm not sure exactly a definition for a multitude. Maybe half of those, 14,000, or maybe two-thirds, 20, I don't know how many. But a multitude, why is it that these young men who had studied the book of Leviticus from the time they could even start to read, very young at age, through 30 years of age before they ever became priests, they had memorized the book of Leviticus. They knew it. Why is it that they would turn to Jesus Christ? And then after 30 years of age, they continue to study. I mentioned the other day that the high priest, when he would go into the Holy of Holies on the most holy of all the Jewish feast days, Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, he would study for 24 hours the Word of God once again to refresh his mind of what God's Word says about it. And these then that have been studying, what caused them to turn to Jesus Christ? Because within these feasts, they were types. They were prototypes or models of things to come. Or as Colossians 2.17 says, they were a shadow of those things to come. We've studied already, and I'm going to try to get those who are just coming in today up to speed with us. We've studied the seven feasts. Uh, let, me, let me do this, if you will. Let me illustrate for you these feasts that have already taken place. Now, maybe you looked up here and said, whoever set up that uh, platform didn't set it up correctly. Well, I reset it this morning because I wanted to use these chairs and, of course, these planters as an illustration. Now, there are seven feasts, and the seven feasts come in two groups four in the spring, three in the fall. Okay, the first one would be Passover. It is in the time Nisan 14. That's basically around April, March or April. And that would be the very first feast Leviticus talks about there. Passover, this first chair represents Passover. But then immediately the next day, Nisan 15 unleavened bread takes place. Now, you remember Passover. You know what they had to do in Exodus chapter 12. They had to kill the lamb, take the blood, put it on the the doorpost, so that when the death angel flew over, he would pass over and not kill the firstborn there. And then, you know, you remember about unleavened bread. Unleavened bread was that which they were to eat. They were to stand as they ate the Passover meal in the book of Exodus. They were to eat every bit of the meal and then they were to eat unleavened bread and that was to illustrate that they quickly had to make the bread didn't have enough time to let the bread rise could not put any leaven in of course leaven represents sin as well so the feast of unleavened bread that's the second feast it starts the next day out after passover and then after the sabbath which is saturday on the sunday and that's what the Word of God in Leviticus chapter 23 tells us. On the Sunday is the Feast of First Fruits. And that's an agricultural feast. You see, each of these feasts had a historic background, or it had an agricultural background, or it had a sacrificial background, or it had a prophetic background or significance to all of them. The historical background over here for Passover, them coming out of the land, and that was at least... Forty years in between the first Passover and then when they started observing these Passovers in the land of Israel, which was they were commanded to do. Historical background in the unleavened bread. No particular historical background on uh, the feast of first fruits, but it had an agricultural background. This was the beginning of the barley harvest for the Jewish people. And part of the observation of this feast, they would bring a stalk of barley just taken from the field, come in and before the Lord, wave this stalk of barley in thanksgiving, and thanking in advance almost the Lord for the blessings, the rains that he had sent, the soil that he had given to raise the barley. And so there's the first fruits. And then... There is going to be the harvest season. That's what the planters are representing, the harvest season, of course. What do you think the plants are here for? The harvest season here. And it was a 50-day period between this last feast, the Feast of first fruits, and then you have your 50 days of harvest, and then you come in with Pentecost. You know it maybe as Pentecost. It's referred to as the Feast of Weeks. It's also referred to as the Feast of the Harvest the Feast of Pentecost, 50 days after firstfruits. And they come in here with two loaves of wheat bread with leaven in them. And we're not going to be able to develop that again for you. But here they wave these loaves before the Lord in thanksgiving for the wheat harvest. After we looked at this in some detail in recent studies, we then came back and realized that Jesus Christ was crucified three o'clock in the afternoon on the day of Passover. Put in the cave of Joseph of Arimathea, which was a family gravesite to be, buried and became our unleavened bread, separating us from the old life, bringing us into the new life, taking away the sin, no sin, sinless was he, unleavened bread. And then on that Sunday after the Sabbath, first fruits. 1 Corinthians 5 7, Jesus is our Passover. 1 Corinthians 11 25 26, He has become, this is my body, as He held the unleavened bread up at the Passover Seder. And He broke it and He said, take ye and eat all of it. 1 Corinthians 15 20 to 23, jesus has become our first fruits now wait a minute what i've just told you is deprived uh, derived benefits for us that know jesus christ as lord and savior remember these were feasts of the lord given to the jewish people why did those priests turn to jesus christ that multitude because they saw in the feast of passover they saw in the feast of unleavened bread they saw in the feast of first fruits Jesus Christ being the antitype or the fulfillment of that model or that shadow which was to come. And he fulfilled it all.
0: As we indicated in this study, the rapture does not take place on the Jewish feast of trumpets. Instead, it is the second coming of Jesus Christ that will be fulfilled on some future time of Rosh Hashanah, or the Feast of Trumpets. You need to have this entire series, I Explain the Jewish Feast, and how they relate to the end times. It's entitled, The Feast of God, and it's available. You can call our toll-free number at 877-674-3298. That's 877-674-3298. Or go to our website, prophecytoday.com, go over to the shopping mall, and you can make your order. It is key that you understand how God will fulfill the Jewish feast through the person of Jesus Christ, and what will take place in the future. Again, thank you so much for joining us to study God's Word. As we continue to understand God's prophetic scenario for the end times, it becomes more and more aware that the rapture of the church, when Jesus shouts and calls us up into the heavenlies to be with him forevermore, could take place at any moment. In fact, even before I finish making this announcement to you, That being the case, there's nothing left for me to say, except let's keep looking up until.